Welcome everyone to the Holstein House podcast. I'm the West Virginia woman, Robin of RobinHolstein.com and Holstein House, where my guests get a great night's sleep at a fair rate plus breakfast. This is a podcast that looks at society and culture issues affecting families in West Virginia and the United States, from food preparation and storage, gardening, home repairs, current events, and more. We'll go around the table and back in 60 minutes or less. So let's hang out and talk a while. There we go. Let me try this again. (laughs) Good Friday morning to you. (laughs) It's a gorgeous day to look out the window. The sun's shining, it's clear, and wind's blowing, but um, the temperatures are going down into the teens from now until uh, late tonight and early in the morning. So we started out, my front porch was 38 degrees when I got up this morning, and it's now 31. So we got up at uh, 4.30, and it was 38 degrees, so it's dropped 7 degrees since then. Six hours, I guess. Well, five and a half. It's crazy. I've been up five and a half hours already. How is your day going so far? This is an unscripted, a live unscripted. I've been doing that on Fridays for, I don't know, two or three weeks now. I do have some topics, but um, it's kind of open. So anybody who has a question or comment or something like that, um, can I ask it? I mean, you can anyway, but we'll kind of real-time discuss stuff. Last week, we got into some religion, and which is fine as long as you're not calling names and being rude to people. Um, but uh, we, we did get to talking a little bit about that. Um, oh, let's see me do that. One of the things I kind of wanted to talk about today, you know, the price of eggs has been in the news for months now. Um, Some of us kind of hinted that you guys need to be getting ready for this um, back last summer. There was conversations and um, news reports and the avian flu and all kinds of things going on. And we were saying, um, you know, egg prices are going to go up. You better get ready. I even did a video on uh, storing eggs in lime water. And I did a video after a year when I took those eggs out and I used them and scrambled them and how they went. So that's on YouTube. You can look that up Um, on my YouTube. Other people may have it up as well. I don't know. But um, yeah, so people are screaming about the price of eggs being outrageously high. And um, some of the numbers I'm seeing people post, I think maybe... I don't want to say doctored, but uh, hi, Letty Lou. Yeah, I, it's, you know, it's kind of hard to, uh, to get everybody's shows in without stepping on each other's toes. And I totally understand. Nicole is the queen and you have every, I have no issue with you running over there at all. Um, egg prices here. I went over, I had to go to uh, the box store the other day. Where's my picture? I took a picture, I took a picture, I took a picture. They're not that far back. Where'd it go? Of the uh, 
of the price at the store. Oh, here it is. You won't see it. I don't have it loaded. Well, I can lift it up here. But uh, at the box store, a dozen large regular in the green carton uh, eggs are $4.78 last week. And I'm seeing people post that these things are eight, nine, ten dollars And I'm wondering if they're talking about the high-end organic, you know, free-range. Um, not that four seventy-eight is not high because, you know, it hasn't been that long ago you get that particular type of egg for a um, dollar a dozen or so. But uh, people are talking about it. And I... I had been charging $3 a dozen for mine for a long time. And I actually sat down and I did it. I shared with you guys a couple of weeks back that I sat down and did the math again because I hadn't really done the math for a long time. And I'd had a spreadsheet put together and it must have been on a machine that um, I go through machines. I just <laughs> I blow them up. But uh, it must have been on a different machine because I couldn't find it and it hadn't synced to the cloud so it must have been just in a and not shared um, folder but anyway I went back through I rebuilt that I redid my math uh, with all the um, the feed and the calcium and scratch grains and um, they're not I don't buy the grubbies but they're dehydrated maggots basically and, and soldier flies and stuff um, and added those in you know calculated the the serving size and the price per serving and how many per day and added it all up. And I, I had to raise mine up to $4 a dozen. I'm a small, I mean, really small. I've got seven chickens. So it's, um, I'm a really, really small producer, but I do overproduce I, more eggs than we can eat. So um, I do sell them. And uh, one of my best um, customers, I told him, I said, you know, I'm going to have to raise them after, this next round and he said that's okay and so I've got some to clean up today to take to him so I'll be and I I don't I don't have fuel costs usually with that because he just lives around the block I usually when the weather's good just walk him over there so um, he'll get a couple dozen today but um, there is a uh, a woman who runs fresh egg daily her name is Lucille and when I, before I started with my chickens, I was reading up, uh, and I even got a couple books on them, uh, reading up on their care. Um, they're not that hard, but when you've had no exposure at all, any little bit of anything is intimidating. It's like being a new mother and having no idea what to do, you know, when the baby comes home. So anyway, I keep, I follow her on the social medias and, and read some of her stuff from time to time because I'm in a routine now where everything's pretty standard and, and I've, I've run across almost everything. I've treated Bumblefoot. I've done, you know, found eggs, uh, chickens with fly strike. I mean, I just, I've run through it all. But she has a really good blog post uh, on, on nine reasons egg, why eggs are so expensive right now. <clears throat> and it's not just the flu, although the avian flu can be devastating. And yes, uh, producers will wipe out an entire flock rather than deal with individual birds because it spreads and it's just so contagious. You'd spend a tremendous amount of time trying to weed out the sick ones that fall over. I mean, it's just when you're in the kind of production of a big, you know, 
uh, chicken plant or egg farm or whatever the phrase is for them. I, it blows through there. When I work for the state conservation agency, um, in other states, it's called the Soil and Water Conservation. Um, I saw a couple of instances where um, farmers had avian flu run through, and it just was, it was devastating, and they had to bury those carcass, and it just was terrible. But she goes through, and she ticks off, Lisa Steele ticks off uh, nine different, different things, which all contribute to the cost of the eggs, avian flu being one, feed costs increasing being another. And as part of the whole big picture of feed cost includes the cost of diesel and gasoline and transportation and hourly rate wages and things of that nature that people don't think about when they go and pull a dozen eggs off the shelf. They, they don't think about everybody who has to get paid stocking the eggs, everybody who gets paid processing the eggs, everybody who gets paid cleaning the eggs, that whole process, then the transportation costs uh, associated with it. So as our fuel prices go up, so do theirs, and sometimes more, because diesel usually costs more. Uh, and she does have gas prices listed separately uh, than just the feed cost. Cage-free regulations. You know, I, I, I let mine run in the yard. I, like I said, I've got seven hens. I got three ducks. I don't need a whole lot of space for them. They've got more than adequate space. But when you're in the big commercial producer side, you've got regulations. If you're going to claim that you are cage-free, there are rules you have to meet, which means higher costs of materials building out your cages. Now, I, I'm, I'm not against cage-free. Don't misunderstand. It's just a fact. If you're going to be cage-free, you have to meet, whether we think they're reasonable or not, you have to meet some uh, standards. Seasonal reduction. I, it doesn't matter how big your um, outfit is. Even if you're lighting, adding additional light, there's seasonal reductions um, in, in, in egg laying. Holidays, you know, we want more eggs at Easter. We want more eggs at Christmas. You know, there are things like, like that that will affect it. Uh, there's a couple memes going around of golf balls and stuff in place of Easter eggs. Potatoes, I think, is one of them in place of Easter eggs because of the cost. Uh, vegetarian, meatless, keto diets, they include eating a lot of eggs. And so as more people take on those, there's now a higher demand for eggs. Uh, designer eggs, the, the different colored eggs, because and the different hens that lay the different colored eggs, lay at different schedules, you know, um, not all chickens lay an egg every single day. Different breeds lay differently. The leghorn is the most popular because it's almost an everyday layer. I've gotten white eggs for my leghorns far more often than my green egg layers or my brown egg layers. Uh, just overall inflation, she's got down um, and being eaten at all meals. So as we're trying to stretch our uh, budgets, our food budgets, we're, we're adding more eggs into the meals. So um, that's just nine that she talks about. Um, I live in Genio country. So Lady Lou says, I live in Genio country. I've, I've, I've bought that stuff, Genio brand before. 500,000 turkeys killed due to the flu last summer. Haven't paid attention to egg prices because we get them from the local 
Mennonite store. Yeah, and you can do that. So, well, I don't have any of those near me. I'm uh, in in an old suburban community. What I call on my um, on my website an adult or a senior. No, a mature. I use the word mature. I do not adult. Not like that. A mature uh, suburban community. We're old. You know, we've been here. This town has been here since the uh, uh, early 1900s. 1800s, if you want to count the very first house, but as a as a as a multi-family community, uh, right around 1900. So it's an older community here, an older suburb. We didn't have any. I, I, there's an Amish outlet kind of thing, and it takes me an hour to get there. So any save, I would have to take a, a truck and barrels up there to uh, to save any money uh, shopping there. I wish I could. Uh, we try to stop like if we're out somewhere you know if we're traveling um at different like if i go up into ohio go to some of the amish stores up there but it's again we have to already be out that way because it's it's not cost effective for us to to drive to a lot of those places and honestly as much as i despise the local box store here um it's it's a it's a two two mile walk it's two mile from my front door to their front door and um you know, if you if you start calculating fuel costs into everything, I, I should never go up there. I, sh I mean, I should never go anywhere but there. But uh, I do, because when I'm out other places, I stop other places. But um, hi, Jackie. Good to see you. I wish you were here. I miss you. <laughs> I do. I miss you. Jackie's over on Facebook. She's just kind of started watching, so. Now, I guess, I don't know if Junior's watching or not, but if he's there, hi. <laughs> but, um, yeah, egg, I mean, I and I know it's regional as well. There are some areas that it's going to be even higher. But I, I see those that are like, of course, some of them are posting pictures of like five dozen eggs, you know, in, 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 the, in the crate. And then the, so it, it kind of skews that a little bit. You see it and you think, oh, my God. But if you do the math on per dozen yeah it's high but it's not off the charts um and people are starting to talk about having their own chickens well if you get chicks this time around say the tractor supply i don't know when they start putting their chicks out but let's say let's say they're out today it's going to be six to nine months before you get uh get the first hen or get the first egg i mean they don't it's not like they're going to be laying in the next week so by the time they start laying are you really going to be wanting to keep them it's a commitment like everything else. So those are some reasons why egg prices are off the chart uh, high and that we got to, you know, you kind of keep in mind. I I am, haven't bought eggs at the store in a long time, in a long time, because even with our hens, like I said, I put some in lime water. So so I had I had eggs when things were getting low and I was I was balancing out using the limed eggs uh, for our breakfast and stuff against the, um, the fresh eggs for the holiday dinner. All right, let's see. Oh, oh, you know, a couple of weeks. I don't, this is, um, bear with me in the direction I'm going. Um, one of the things that I'm most proud of is having my gas cook stove and I'm most proud of it 
even though it's really old, it looks terrible because it's worn. Um, it's hard to clean now in the creases and in the doors and in the oven and stuff. But I, it's got a standing pilot light. If the electricity goes off, I don't have to worry about my stove is going to work. And so will my oven. I don't have to worry about my oven, you know, needing electric ignition. I can, I'll be able to use my oven. And I've been that way for decades. I, I've had that stove since, wow. We bought it off the original owner. I was still married to my first husband, living in, living in the old house. It would have been the mid-90s that I bought it, and it was old then. And the uh, son of the original owner said, what in the world would you want an old stove like this for? But he was one of those people that was uh, all, had, had new stuff all the time. So um, I, I was very, I, I love it. I mean, it does have an electric side, and I have, it, it shorts out a lot, and I've not had it rewired. So I don't use the electric side. It's got a broiler and a rotisserie on the side, and, and I'd love to use it more. But I'm just happy to have the, the gas stove that's not going to cut out when the electric goes off. So I can still heat water and fix coffee and do all the things I need to do. Well, a couple weeks ago, and there's been murmurings of this for a while, that um, uh, the federal government was going to be coming after gas stoves. Uh, you know, there's there's a lot of gossip as to why. Um, yep, yeah, older gas stoves are the best, Letty. Um, there's a lot of uh, gossip about why they're going to do it. Um, I don't think it, it's dumb to me because you can't have everything on electricity because our grid won't hold it. Uh, until the federal government puts a lot of money into this, you know, rebuilding and revamping the actual grid itself. We, we can't dump all these electric cars and electric stoves and, and electric heat and electric everything, because if they're going for the stoves, they're going to go for your HVAC. <clears throat> because you still have just the same pollution as you do um, with your uh, cook stove. So there's a couple of, uh, oops, not that. There's a couple of stories out that um, talk today. Now, a couple of weeks ago, it got out that the federal government was wanting to do away with, uh, in the production completely, of gas stoves, gas cook stoves. And the administration got word out to people that, no, 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 that's not what we're going to do. Yeah, we don't want to do that. And then now it's out again today and yesterday that, um, the EPA and the Energy Department are are looking to um, stop the production of gas cook stoves, blaming it on saying that it is the, the one of the leading causes of asthma in children. And I guess now that there's fewer people smoking in the homes with kids, uh, they got to find something to blame the asthma on besides just defective genes. So there's a story out, Fox News had one version of it. This one is a Newsmax. Newsmax has a little more detail on it. Um, and I, I get the politics of Newsmax. I do, I understand. But it does have a little more detail on it. So what they're trying to do now is to, it says, efforts to regulate gas stoves are being renewed as a second federal agency has waded into the fray with a proposal on energy limits for appliances. 
Um, it says the energy department proposal published Wednesday and that today's uh, Friday, February 3rd. So Wednesday would have been the first 2023 in case you're watching a replay a long time from now. Um, the energy department proposal published Wednesday would set limits on energy consumption for gas stoves, which the industry says could push some products out of the market. Energy usage standards for electric cooktops and new standards for gas and electric ovens would also be established. Um, then it says, we're concerned that this, this is a, this is Karen Harbert, president of the American Gas Association talking here. We are concerned that this is another attempt by the federal government to use regulations to remove viable and efficient natural gas products from the market. She added that the group will carefully evaluate this rule in the coming weeks. It says the move comes after Rich Trumka Jr., commissioner of the U.S. Consumer Product Safety Commission, floated the idea of banning gas stoves because of their alleged link to indoor air pollutants and childhood asthma. Within days, the agency said there are no plans for a ban as a firestorm of criticism erupted from the gas industry and from lawmakers on both sides of the aisle. The White House issued a statement saying President Joe Biden does not support banning gas stoves. According to Bloomberg, I'm sorry to read this to you guys. I know it's got to be boring, but according to Bloomberg, Alexander Hohenserik, chair of the Consumer Product Safety Commission, said the agency was not looking to ban gas stoves but is moving forward with a request for information, the first step in possible regulation. About 40% of the homes in the United States use natural gas, which emit levels of air pollutants that EPA and the World Health Organization have deemed unsafe. Multiple studies have linked respiratory illness, cardiovascular problems, cancer, and other health conditions to level of air pollutants emitted by gas stoves. According to the American Council for an Energy Efficient Economy, the Department of Energy's proposal would cut energy usage by approximately 30% relative to, to least efficient products on the market today. Some products on the market already meet the proposed standard, the group says. That's an interesting sentence there. Some products on the market already meet the proposed standards. Hmm. Interesting. I wonder which products, what company, and who owns the stock in those products. How do they already meet the standards, or were the standards built around them? You know. Groups representing stove manufacturers told Bloomberg they are alarmed by the proposal. This pr approach by the Department of Energy could effectively ban gas appliances, said Jill Natini, a vice president of the American Association of the Association of Home Appliance Manufacturers. We are concerned this approach could eliminate fully featured gas products. While the trade group is still examining the proposed regulation, Notini said it appears that 95% of the market would not meet proposed standards. According to the Energy Department, the standards mandated by Congress would slash energy costs by $1.7 billion and are technologically achievable for gas and electric stove. Okay, listen. It's always going to be something. There's always going to be something blamed for illness. I don't want kids suffering with 
asthma. I don't want people getting cancer from their appliances. I, I don't I don't want any of that. But this is a level of control that is ridiculous. It's like um, a comment that was made that the um, they're not going to they're not going to shut down coal mines. They're just going to regulate them to the point that it's too expensive to start new ones. They're not going to ban uh, gas cook stoves. They're just going to regulate them to the point where it, it you just can't meet the standards. Only very few companies can meet the standards. If you agree, well, I guess either way, but I we need to make voices heard that this this overreach is unacceptable. If the consumer wants to buy high efficiency anything, whether it's vehicles, whether it's gas cook stove, whether it's HVAC, whether it's water heaters, because you know they got those tankless water heaters now. If the consumer wants to buy those things, the consumer should be allowed to buy those things. If the consumer doesn't want to buy those things, they should not be forced to buy those things. One of the ways that, you know, they're, without getting too far out in the weeds, um, when they mentioned the World Health Organization in that article, and that's, that's not right-wing BS, that's, that's a factual statement. The World Health Organization is involved. It is also a factual statement that um, they are the UN, the World Health Organization, those global groups are looking at ways to control the um, use of energy around the globe. Hello, Clark. I'm glad to see you. You can have breakfast. It's all right. <laughs> I had mine about six o'clock, so, but you're fine. Um, these organizations are trying, they're trying to not only regulate climate, but institute a worldwide level of government oversight. So while I don't think the government of the United States will go away, I think what may happen is that the government of the United States will more and more frequently defer to the world government, whatever it turns out to be called. It, we're actually, we actually see it in action if you stop and look because there, there are tests being done in different countries around the world on, on things like, like we saw in Canada uh, with when the truckers were protesting and the, and the, is he a prime minister or I don't know what Trudeau's title is, but Trudeau, you know, brings down the hammer and says, if you give these people money, you're going to jail. And he was trying to reach into the United States to do that. So that if I had sent money via PayPal or whatever to one of these truckers or one of the organizations to help them eat while they were protesting, I could have been brought up on charges in Canada. And we see other gun control efforts in other countries around the world. They, they, they do these little tests to see how well different populations will adhere to what they're saying. And then they tweak the test. Then they tweak it and they do it again in another area. 
So when people stood up and say, uh, uh, no, we don't want you regulating our gas stoves. Oh, we're not, we're not going to regulate them or we're not going to ban them. We're just, you know, that was, that was, no, nah, we're, we're not going to do that. What we are going to do is change the regulations and we're going to make it harder for companies to produce them. And by the domino effect, they won't be produced at all. Uh, Letty Lou says Dr. Berry did a, a video about this last week. I, I'm aware of Dr. Berry. I don't watch him all the time. I, it's just hard to get everybody in. <laughs> it's hard to get everybody in. Um, there's a slight risk of asthma due to gas dose, but they don't necessarily cause asthma. Correct. It's an irritant. It's an irritant. Uh, we can make our own decisions. Dang it. Survival of the fittest. Um, yeah. Survival of the fittest to a degree. One of the things that we do, don't we? is we find an animal stray and we take it in. That's not survival of the fittest. Um, we see uh, people in poverty and we create organizations to help them. And that's not survival of the fittest. So I, I get what you're saying, Letty. I, I guess we, we need to be more responsible for our own decisions. And I agree. I have almost always had a gas cook stove. In rare occasions, I lived in, in a trailer two different times. I lived in a trailer in Texas. Well, the apartment I lived in also had an electric stove. But the trailer I lived in in Texas had an electric stove. And the trailer that we bought uh, when uh, Mr. Holstein and I first got married has an electric cook stove. And um, I, I, I can't stand them. I really can't stand them. And... Um, if the if the electric goes off, we you know we forget natural disasters. Um, one of the big ones that came through here was the derecho. I talked about it a couple of weeks ago, and electric was off for for a long time. And if that had happened like this time of year, there would be a lot of people freeze to death and potentially starve to death because they don't have um, you know electric to to use on their cook stove. Now a lot of us have alternatives. Uh, we have our camper if we need it. It's usually always got a full tank of propane because he uses it for work when he has to go out of state. We have a gas grill. We have a couple, you know, little uh, old older Coleman gas cook stoves. I mean, there and, and there's charcoal to a degree. I don't have a lot of charcoal. I think I have a bag or two for emergencies. But um, so I can get us through if there's, you know, if, if I need to. But that's a big reason that I kept the the gas cook stove. Um, is, is because, and you know, a lot of these newer cook stoves that are ga uh, gas on top, electric start, uh, electric ignition gas stove so that they don't have a pilot light, you're fine on the top of the stove because you can, you can use a, a lighter or a match or whatever to get that started. And you can get your st oven started once. And then what happens when it reaches temperature, it kicks the gas off and then there's no electric to start it again. So then you're stuck with no oven. Now, can you live without an oven? Yeah, you can live without an oven. You can make do. You can get around it. But um, that may that's coming. If if we don't, um, you know, we can't take on every problem. It, there's just no way that one human being can take on every problem. But there are some that we should more than others. And and the regulation of of our, you know, it's not a safety issue. People. If you have a good, well-vented hood, a properly maintained hood, and you're running that hood when you're cooking, those fumes aren't going to be getting out. So, yeah, thanks for stopping in, Letty Lou. 
I'm glad even if you're only here for a little bit, that's fine. It's okay. Say hey to everybody over there. Letty Lou's going over to Nicole's show, which is fine. It's, yeah, Nicole's got seniority. <laughs> She's a smart girl, too. Nicole Sauce over at Living Free in Tennessee, if you guys don't know her. So, I, you know, I kind of, I don't want to spend a lot of time on that. It's just a topic that come up, um, you know, that's been on the news this morning that just really um, frustrates me that we're being, that our choices are being limited uh, by regulation. Um, I mean, it, it's, it's insane in the land of the free that our leaders are bragging about the laws they passed, but that's a topic for a different day that could go on forever. So we'll, we'll cut that there and move on to uh, something different. I don't, I'll try. I don't think I put the link to that story in anything. I'll try to go back and add it. And then there's a story. Oh, well, we was already talking about chickens. Um, There's a story uh, from a local um, uh, television station, WOWK-TV, uh, talking about that having chickens may not be as cost-efficient as, as you thought. Um, yeah, and I'm just kind of skimming through it. it it's, talking, it's, it's warning people that, it, you know, backyard chickens um, can, can end up costing you more than you think. And... This 50-pound bag of layer crumbles is almost $20. A bag of cracked corn, which a lot of people mix the two, is about $11. If you go out and get the oyster shell, that's $10 to $12. A bag and all that together adds up real fast. Yes, but, yes, but. You should not be giving your flock a big pile of cracked corn or scratch feeds. A couple handfuls, all they need. You know, you, you, you toss that out mostly in the winter, especially if you're, um, letting them run in the yard or free ranging or whatever, because they're getting a lot of what they need, you know, uh, through the summer from the grass. In the winter, scratch and cracked corn helps them maintain their body heat, you know, because, you know, they are reptiles. And uh, it helps them maintain their body heat, especially when the temperatures go down. It's, it's a source of calories. It should not be their steady diet. Oyster shell, yeah, it's a $10 to $12 a bag, but you put out a cup full of oyster shell, and it's going to be there for weeks. So that bag, I've had these bags before. And if you're paying attention to what you're doing and you're not just throwing it around and letting it waste, that bag could last you a year or two. So, and you do, it is kind of costly. Uh, you, chicken wire is not what you want to use for anything. You want to use a hardware cloth because uh, raccoons can reach through chicken wire. I mean, there's a lot more. It is expensive to get started. And it depends on how long you want to keep your uh, your hens. Are you keeping them for, for their life? And then, you know, when they stop producing eggs, you're going to, or stop producing at a very high rate, you're going to dispatch them and put them in the crock pot because you're not going to, they're not fryers. They're not meat chickens. Uh, if you buy super sacks of feed, it's way, way cheaper. Yeah, that's true. Um, this this story was on a, on back just backyard just backyard kind of like what I'm doing you know less than twenty birds or so and and any a family of four doesn't need twenty birds I'm a family of two and I got seven and there's when they're all on on the ball 
you, you can't eat all the eggs fast enough, you know, but, um, and you can, you can sell them. If you've got people to buy them, there's not always, I had people coming to me, uh, in the, like in December, do you have any eggs? No, because I don't add light and the girls slow down and stop producing in the winter, but people don't understand that because we're so far removed from the, from the farm these days. Oops, what did I do? Oh, okay. I was trying to flip screens here and thought I blacked myself out there for a minute. I thought I hit the close out button. So let's see. Um, oh, my, my third recipe has already dropped the video for the recipe for the uh, bean bacon and burger um, from the, uh, from my cookbook that I did. Got to get a shameless plug in here for my cookbook. It's available on Etsy. Right here. Super meal ideas for tight budgets. Feed yourself and your family for less than $10 a day. And that's true. still kind of true. Um, eggs have gone up quite a bit, so that's going to affect it a little bit. But it's still pretty much true. Uh, but I did three videos for um, one for breakfast meal, one for a lunch meal, and one for a dinner meal. And the dinner meal one should be up now. It was supposed to drop at like 12, 15 or something this morning. The uh, recipe book is available, like I said, on Etsy and her Holstein house. Um, you should be able to find it. If you can't find it, holler at me and I'll, I'll send the link to you. Um... Let me think. Uh, oh, on Tuesday, I asked people, um, what was your first vehicle when you got your driver's license? I'll ask it again. Mine was a 1971 Ford Pinto manual shift. It was my dad's. And that's okay if it was your parents. It's fine because, you know, that's life. And do you know how to drive a standard shift? That's always a good question. It's a lot. You, you know you can't get a regular passenger truck. You can't get a standard shift anymore just on the lot. I don't even know if you can special order them. Work truck packages, I think, have them. But um, I don't think you can get one off the lot. And Brian over at the, oh, 2008 Nissan Altima. Oh, okay. Mine was already old by the time I got it, the 71, because I didn't start driving until 82. I think it was 82. No, it was before that. It was in 80. I started driving in 80, 1980. And uh, my dad had it. It was my dad's work car. And I kind of, once the day I got my license, I, Dad didn't have a work car anymore <laughs> he had to drive the truck again. Uh, Brian over at the Lots Project mentioned this morning that he lost an Excel file. And, um, I, you know, one of the things he, I do this too. I keep certain things in certain files and I, I keep a, um, an outline of these, of the podcasts, like kind of topically. And then I go back in and fill them in. But I, as much as I don't like Google, 
I do keep it in Google um, because Google automatically saves and I don't have to worry about losing it. Um, I, I don't have any national secrets over there, so I, I'm not really worried. There's nothing that um, private, there's no security things, classified documents or anything over there. So I'm not worried about it. I, I'm not, I do have, obviously I do have a Google account, but I've backed off putting anything of value up there. Uh, but I do put my outlines for like these, these shows and things over there so that I don't lose them. Uh, and then, you know, I know I'm kind of all over the place, but it is unscripted. Special days. I was checking out over on Facebook, looking at my um, news feed, and there was announcement of a special day, Women Physicians Day. And it made me stop a minute and think, why do we have so many special days? Days for everything. And it reminded me that about this time last year, I got my hands on a calendar of special days because the idea was I was going to try to post things on Twitter uh, for these special days so that I constantly had something going on over on Twitter. So I run down to the bunker, <laughs> the bunker, and grabbed it. Now, granted, this is last year's uh, calendar, but on February 3rd last year, it was World Read Aloud Day. I mean, this is a whole stupid calendar, 12-month calendar of special days. Why do we have to have, everybody and their brother has to have a special day? Doesn't that make every day not special? I mean, in every category, not special anymore. Uh, what is it? Um, Lake Wobegon, where all the children are above average. So if every day is a special day, then no days are special days. And don't you just get exhausted trying to keep track of them? So I was looking, of course, Valentine's Day's there on the 14th. It's also Donor Day. I don't know if that's International or National Donor Day. I, don't, I guess it's International. It says International Coffee Day. No, that's just October's. Where's the, let me see what the front page of this thing says. Holidays for days, 365 days of festive fun for the whole family, 18 month calendar. Um, yeah, because it was, it. some of the dates had already passed when I bought it. It's not specifically international or U.S. days, but it is a mix of two. So, okay, Valentine's Day is on the 14th, obviously. We've known that for 100 years or whenever they created it. But then the 15th is Singles Awareness Day. <clears throat> wouldn't it be smarter <laughs> to have singles awareness day before valentine's day so that maybe they can find a valentine the 13th is radio day random act of kindness day on the 17th margarita day is the 22nd and tortilla chip is the 24th but that was just another thought I had. Hey, BJ. I see you on there. I didn't see you come on there, but I see that you're on there now. Good to have you again. Just kind of a random all over the place today. Got about 20 minutes or so. So, yeah, special days. Why do we have so many? Does, and everybody has to have their special day because we all feel so neglected. Can we 
Can we stop that self-centeredness, please? <laughs> I don't need a special day. Even my birthday, I don't need a special day. All right, let's see. Um, <laughs> well, ABJ, what was your first, what was the first car you had when you first got your driver's license? There is a, it hit the news today. I wasn't aware. This community is about, what, six miles um, east of, west of me. I'd have to do the math. It's a little community called Malden. Excuse me while I adjust my chair. Um, and apparently there has been a, um, they're calling it a behavioral health center. And there it's, it's an organization to help, um, not just drug users, but that was the primary concern, I think. Um, anyway, it, it was approved. It was set up uh, in the community of Malden. And that area of my part of the county is hard hit with drug and alcohol abuse and crime related to those type of things. And apparently there was a community meeting there last night and it got pretty wild. Um, I don't think anybody was injured. But based on what I saw in this morning's news, there was a lot of getting this close with the finger, you know, in people's faces. And um, the, the community does not want this little behavioral health center in there. And it caused me to think, you know, we want people taken care of, but then you get that NIMBY, the not in my backyard issue. How do you get past that? How do you want the people in your community taken care of, but you don't want them taken care of near you? Now, a lot of the comments that they showed on the news, and I'm sure that this meeting went on more than three or four minutes, so I'm sure there were a lot of other things besides this, but the news focused on uh, drug paraphernalia being left around, like needles in the in the playground area. I, from... The way I gathered this is being located at a community center that used to be an elementary school. And so, you know, a lot of places when the um, school boards consolidate, a lot of the elementary, a lot of the former school buildings become community centers. Then they struggle to stay open because the utilities and stuff are so ex exorbitantly high. And anyway, um, I used to be a little bit associated with that group. It was the Community of Rand Association. They met there. Um, of course, Malden is separate from Rand, but this looked like the meeting was in the uh, elementary school there at Rand, and I'm not sure. Uh, I don't remember them specifically saying, but the um, the clinic was being located in Malden. But they, the people were really angry. These community centers still have playgrounds and stuff and yeah we're seeing you know drug paraphernalia out there um but how do you how do you how do you straddle that how do you tell the government you need to do something about these people with drug addictions but then say but don't do it here near me or in my community are we wanting to bring back the um the mental health facilities, um, 
you know, the, the insane asylums, for lack of a better phrase. Um, you know, because we stopped doing that because we said it was cruel. But is that more cruel than leaving them out on the streets? I don't know. I don't have an answer. It's just, it was on the news. It was something that came up. And um, how would I feel if one was located here in town, my little community? I don't know. I don't know. I would be worried because folks who are struggling with addictions of any type can become dangerous. Um, especially if you're trying to wean them off. Then there's an element of, um, you know, are, where are they living? Are they coming in and staying and sleeping on the streets? Or are they, uh, do they have a place to go? I don't know. I, like I said, I don't have an answer. But it was on the news here locally. We talked about the cook stove. Oh, I do have Stan Bumgardner's. Uh, we do have our interview with Stan Bumgardner uh, locked down for a date. It's going to be the 20th. I don't know that I'm going to live stream that because he may be traveling. And I I, I think I'm just going to pre-record it and then upload it that weekend. But uh, Stan is a local fiddle legend and a West Virginia historian. Um, I've known him for over 20 years. I met him when I was dating my husband um, and he was a fiddler in the band, but he was already well known throughout the community and especially the bluegrass community and stuff. Um, he worked for the division of culture and history um, from 2015 to this past um, December. He was the editor of golden seal uh, state magazine. Great magazine. Uh, he's now with the humanities council. Uh, and I, he, he's either the best or one of the best fiddle players in West Virginia. So I'm really looking forward to that. It's a little culture, a little background on uh, some history of West Virginia and uh, some of the things that we've uh, uh, done and and how music in the area may or may not have changed since uh, he's been, uh, well, since he became associated with uh, culture and history. But like I said, he's not there now, but. Well, you guys, is there anything in particular you want to ask? I know there's some that ha are having um, questions of the day. I don't have enough time to do that. Honest to Pete, I, uh, I'd love to do that. I'd have to like record like 30 of them and then have them set to go up. <laughs> I know one of the things um, that uh, that's been talked about is a couple of new uh, social media sites that, uh, goodness, my hair is long. Um, yeah, hi, Jess. It kind of is and it kind of isn't. I, I've, I've trimmed it a little bit here and there. It gets long enough that when I try to pull it up, it, it hurts my head. And so I'm toying with getting it trimmed again. So there you go. Surprised you got to come in and see me. Glad you got to come in and see me. You know, you live across the street and I, I haven't seen you since Christmas. <laughs> but um, I'm afraid my, my clock's off about three minutes. So it'll be chiming here pretty soon. Um, I'm still needing to get uh, the 
the roof done on the doghouse, which is our lovingly called doghouse. It's a it's a single unit or a single person unit, kind of like an apartment um, with attached garage that's built here on the property. Um, there's there's differing stories about how it got built. One of the women who grew up in this house said that her father built it for her mother because she was in the Eastern Star and I used to have meetings over here um, back, you know, like in the 20s and 30s, 1920s and 30s. And um, he added on and added on as as the group needed different things. And then it's got a little garage on it. It doesn't technically have a bedroom because there's no closet in there, but, you know, board up a corner and you got one. But it has a bathroom, it has a kitchen, it has a front room uh, with a really nice fireplace. And But the roof is, is just gone and it needs a new roof. So I've got to get that. I know I'm a terrible, no, you're not a terrible niece, but you are terribly busy. Um, so I, want, I still need to get that done. I just, I need some odd and in help here. And I've put out, you know, I've even asked about getting um, someone to help with the house just to do the mops and the, and the, uh, cleaning the floor, sweeping and mopping and dusting. I did that yesterday. got a lot of that done, but, um, and we kind of talked, uh, if, uh, BJ still there, we kind of talked about this at Bible study the other day about if you're keeping house properly, it takes a lot of work and it takes a lot of time. We kind of were talking about women's roles and how we have, um, done to ourselves as far as women's liberation, made women think that being at home, taking care of the house is less than being a working woman. Uh, that you have more value as a woman if you have a job. Well, I guess you got more cash as a woman if you're working a job, but it's not necessarily value. And so if you do it right, if you're watching your budget, if you're, if you're uh, keeping your maintenance up, and I don't mean the kind of stuff like, you know, tearing apart the HVAC to, you know, that kind of stuff that needs, you know, specialty help. I mean, everyday stuff. Um, if you're taking care of all of these things, it takes a lot of time. And then when you have pets and your pet hair, pet needs, feeding them, walking them, clothing them, letting them out, not clothing them, but letting them out and uh, just, you know, medical care sometimes for your pets, that takes a lot of time too. So, um, it can be, if you're an at-home mom, you're actually just as busy as and, and just as important as women out in the workforce. And we have, we have tied ourselves, our, our, our worth, personal worth, to what we do out in the working world. I did it too. I did it too. I don't care anymore. <laughs> of course, I'm up there in age. I don't have to care anymore. Jessica will tell you, yeah, she's up there in age. But uh, I, I, I really, I don't care. But I have to be careful that I don't care so much that I am rude to other people about it. <laughs> but, um, you know, it's not, it, we haven't done ourselves any favors I really think, and I would have to do, I would have to spend some time on it, but I really think that uh, a stay-at-home mom could actually save the family money depending on what your priorities are. Um, if you have a, 
I'm not, I don't mean, you know, minimum wage. I, I get it. Minimum wage. You can't, you can't live off minimum wage. That's not what I'm talking about. But if you have a fairly decent income, say 30 to 40,000, you can probably do okay. I don't, I, but that's where I'd have to do the check to see what the rates are for, um, there goes the clock. Hang on. It's about five minutes off now. But anyway, um, I'd have to do the math on average uh, house prices in the area. And, and, I, and I get it in some areas. It's a lot more than in, in my area of West Virginia. You know, if you don't have a cell phone for everybody, let's say you have uh, you, you have your Wi-Fi and your and your cable or you, you're streaming and you have one or two cell phones because your kids don't all need cell phones. Sorry, they don't all need cell phones. Um, and just the basics, you know, a basic car, basic utilities, and and that kind of stuff. Is it just as cost efficient for the woman to stay home than it would be for her to go to work and have to pay daycare and all the associated things to that and increase your tax burden? I'd have to do I'd have to do the math. That would take a long time. I'd have to take a long time. But um, anyway, so for, if you if you're if you're sitting here going, what the heck is this all about anyway? It's an unscripted. It's an unscripted live. It's just about anything. Uh, normally, normally what I'm doing is looking at society and culture issues affecting West Virginia families and, uh, and families throughout the country. Um, talk food preparation, food storage, gardening, home repairs, current events, uh, stuff like that. And um, I, I do generally have a little bit of a script that I go through. I do generally go through um, things that are going here on here at Holstein House, which I, I have a room I rent through Airbnb and direct booking uh, to two people here in my home. I, I know Brian over the Lots Project was talking about that this morning. He's he, he said he didn't think he knew anybody that did that. And I told him, I said, well, I do. And of course, we haven't actually met not like face to face, but uh, he said, you know, I'm going to follow up with him and we're going to talk about it a little bit, but um, I've done that since 2017. I've rented a room in my house since 2017, not every day, but uh, I've done it. I love it. It's a lot of fun. And what I do is I provide not just the room, but I do provide a continental style breakfast. I do a lot of homemade breads and stuff. So if, if you're a guest here, chances are you're going to have something homemade. Um, juice, milk, bagels, muffins, that kind of stuff for, for every guest, you know, is is the base. Uh, and then, you know, sometimes I do have sourdough and I do have homemade bread and I do have other things like muffins, homemade muffins. So it's a good little experience for people. And one of the things with the podcast is I'm trying to expand not just the awareness, but for people to understand that, you know, if you're in the self-reliant or prepping community and things like that, I, I'm not, I'm not going to be making judgment on you. Okay. You're welcome here. It's, it's fine. A lot of folks will go down to, um, Oh, the uh, Self-Reliance Festival down in Tennessee. And if you're coming through here and you need a spot to stay, hey, check it out. Go to either Airbnb and look up Holstein House or go to RobinHolstein.com and pick Holstein House off of the uh, off of the menu. 
you know, and look it up. If you give me enough heads up, you can have the opportunity to have a specially prepared breakfast. There's a couple of different things that I, I can do. Usually people don't book that far in advance. I need more than like a week or so because I'm going to make sure I have everything that I need to do that. I don't necessarily keep it all on hand. And I offer uh, Hall's chocolate, with which is uh, chocolates made here in West Virginia. And I offer uh, Coal River coffee. And I'll talk to Brian about that at Lots Project. I don't mind offering him his as well. But uh, one of the things is the Coal River coffee is is uh, is done just a few miles from me. So I do offer that. Uh, and I'm, I'm working on making uh, espressos and macchiatos and all that kind of stuff. A little practice there. Uh, so, you know, that's uh, that's kind of the th majority of the things that I like to talk about on the podcast Now we do um, we do stream to a lot of other uh, podcasts, but I primarily promote Fountain FM because we can share Satoshi's and we can share in the value for value network. Uh, so I usually kind of promote that a little more, but uh, today we just kind of was all over the place. Uh, oh, for those of you wondering about Bitcoin, yes, February is my birthday month and I am going to try to become uh, not a Bitcoin millionaire because Bitcoin's at 21 or 20, I forget. It was down a little bit yesterday. But Satoshis, which are the smaller portions of Bitcoins, kind of like our, our one cents, um, I, if, if I can come up with um, a million, let's see, how is it? It, it was here a little while back. It was a million... 178,104 Satoshis, I would be a Satoshi millionaire. And so for those that are, are into that, I, you know, I'd appreciate if you're going to, if you're going to share some value there, it would be great. Uh, I, I need to get a wallet, uh, a, a Bitcoin wallet. Um, and I, I've looked at a few, but I'm going to have to reach out to a couple people to ask what the recommendations are for the brand on that. So I'm going to start ramping it up um, because we're going, I try to keep to about an hour. I, I know, you know, sometimes we go over, but I like to try to keep right in. I can talk for days and Jessica and BJ and, uh, and Jackie can all confirm that, you know, she can talk for days and uh, have done it before. And I have done it before. The only other thing I want to touch about, keep an eye on that. Um, and this isn't like the sky's falling kind of thing. Keep an eye on that. Uh, Chinese weather balloon thing and the reason I say that is I know the feds are saying they're watching it it's okay my concern is where's it going to come down on its own and um, just in general uh, U.S. economy and U.S. position there's talk in areas that I trust that well, I don't want to say things are going to get, you know, depression era bad, but things are not going to necessarily be better soon. And if we're having this kind of an issue uh, with China, and there's so much stuff we're dependent on China. Remember, during the lockdowns, we could, there were some medicines we couldn't get. And even today, there are some medicines that are hard to get because they're not made either in the U.S. or in Mexico or in uh, the Americas uh, or, or in a country that we are in good relationships with. Be mindful of that and start thinking of, is there a way to take a different brand that might be more um, readily available? Or is there a way to 
get off of some medicines. I'm trying again for the umpteenth million time to uh, get my weight back down, uh, changing my diet a little bit, cutting my calories kind of hard and in increasing my proteins. I don't have my exercise in yet. I, that's the next step I've got to do. I, I don't have any choice. I'm going to have to do it. And there's a couple medicines that I could probably get off of. There's one that I probably won't. And that's because I have neuropathy and I have a lot of pain in my legs because of it. I don't know that weight, I don't, weight's not an issue with that. Um, that was on me when my weight was down. I was having that trouble when my weight was down. So, but increased weight doesn't help it any. So I've, I've got to do that myself. I know I'm, uh, but I keep, just kind of keep a crooked eye on that. Um, don't let it worry you. But, you know, I my confusion with that stupid thing is it, it took a long time to get here and nobody noticed. Why? Because they were looking for the big stuff. We're always looking for the big stuff. And the little stuff is what gets us. So, um, like in the, was it the Second World War, when we were trying to, um, uh, when we had in we had cracked the Japanese codes, but the Japanese hadn't cracked our codes and the Navajo nations were speaking their native language. It was something that simple, something that simple that they didn't think to look for. So little things can get us be, be thinking this through and um, without panic, there's no need to panic, but there is room. We need to watch. We need to watch and be getting ready for hard, hard times in a different way. So, um, and I don't mean, I'm not trying to fear monger anybody, but uh, it, it can be, we, we could be facing some, some hard times. And this thing, if they got that balloon in here and the fentanyl, which is made in China and it's coming up, coming through our borders and are they mapping um, paths to get people in. I mean, it's just so hard to tell. It's really hard to tell. And we like to think we would have a a high-tech conflict. But maybe the next conflict won't be high-tech. It's just stuff to think about. Not to, not to get tore up about, but in the back of your mind, be thinking about it. Anyways, I'm going to go on that cheerful note. So I'm going to say goodbye to you guys. Thanks for being here. Thanks for being here. Uh, I think my last message didn't go out to everybody like it should have. So those of you guys on Facebook, thank you for being here. Um, I know some of the messages have come to me, but I don't think mine are going out. So I, um, I did put that in there. And I appreciate you guys. And the next scheduled one is Tuesday at 10. And, of course, you can catch all the replays you know here on the youtube and uh you can dig them out of out of uh facebook and um and we will see you on tuesday if not before but probably not till tuesday all right thanks a lot you guys we'll see you again later bye so there you have it post your comments do all that boosting liking sharing thumbs up and stuff that helps spread the word and poke the algorithms follow me on most of the big social media platforms and look for my name robin holstein or holstein house till next time bye bye